Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 118 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. So, so excited to have today's guest with us, Molly Carmel. Molly is the founder of the Beacon Program Clinic and Beacon by MC Signature Program, which offers individual and group solutions to help people heal their relationship with food and with themselves. She's also the author of the book, Breaking Up with Sugar. As she battled an eating disorder and addiction for over 20 years, Molly was shocked and disheartened by the lack of viable treatment options. This fueled her to create her groundbreaking clinic and treatment method to help people heal their relationships with food and with themselves. In addition to her extensive training in substance use and eating disorders, Molly is trained in dialectical behavioral therapy, certified in breath, breath work, and a dedicated devotee of daily meditation and an intense sati instructor. So welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. I'm so uh, I'm so glad to be here. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I'm glad to meet you. I'm a big fan. I've heard a couple of your interviews, and I really just like your um, direct approach to all things addiction here. So I want to jump in because I know this time is going to go, it always flies by, but I really would like to start with you telling us a little bit about your own story and kind of what's led you to the work that you're, you're doing now. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my direct approach is really rooted in my own story. You know, I just, I think I got the runaround for so many years and I was like, you know, looking for, looking for healing in all the wrong places and just so desperate. And, um, and, you know, I think, listen, I'm, I'm what they, I'm a wounded healer, right? Like I, I have the thing I've healed the thing. I help other people heal the thing. And I'm super, super well qualified to do it as it pertains to my training. So, you know, and, and for me, I think I, I come to food addiction from every single place that you can come from food addiction, right? Like, I think I biologically come from a family of addicts and uh, severe obesity, uh, I think emotionally, as we talk about in dialectical behavioral therapy, I was born like without any emotional sunscreen, you know, um, uh, you know, we know the data supports that. Uh, and so, you know, I think all these things put together, um, my, my dad passed away when I was, when I was uh, short of three. And, you know, when I asked my mom where he tried very traumatically, uh, and when I asked my mom where he was, you know, I just couldn't stop eating after that. You know what I mean? Like I, I started binging and hoarding food and hiding food when I was really, really young. And, um, and I was put on my first diet at, at the age of seven. And, uh, you know, a lot of time, you know, I've been on every single, you know, national, whatever, I think every, every single person, when I say it was my mom put me on a diet at the age of seven, is like, oh, you know, and they want to call like administration for children's services. But like, 
I have to be honest, like I, I just, I think my mom was outmatched and I think I was really binge eating and I don't think there was a solution for it. I think, you know, I, I started the first ever therapeutic boarding school for adolescent obesity. I don't, I don't think it's an easy thing when we're dealing with childhood eating disorder. Right. But, uh, that really started like my path, right? Because it's really where I, I, it noted to me that there was maybe something wrong with me. I had to fix something. It's where my relationship with dieting began. I was sitting in Weight Watchers by like, you know, 10 and counting points and at the camps and on every diet known to man and, you know, really trapped in, in diet culture. And I think, you know, I, I bet you from the beginning, you know, what, what I know about sugar and what I know about sugar addiction, like I'm cer certainly, you know, addicted to sugar as well. Right. Um, but as we say in addiction, it, it was my solution and I didn't want to look at it as my problem. I wasn't willing to. And so the cycle was gnarly. I mean, it, it was bad. And I'm the kind of person that like, you know, until I healed my relationship with myself and with food, like very loose grip on wanting to live, you know, because it was just such a miserable life. And it wasn't just miserable in the 325 pound body I was in. It was miserable in like my belief system, like everyone was against me. I was never going to get well. I was like just dead on the street, you know, all of the time and, and sort of alternating between rage and victimhood and chaos, you know? And so it's interesting though, because I, you know, I'm very spiritual. Um, I'm a trained shaman. I'm trained in a lot of spiritual practices, I think mostly to heal myself. But when I was 13 years old, I was at a weight loss camp. Um, that actually at the best time ever, I mean, weight loss camp was serious amounts of fun. But the problem is, is that I knew I was going to gain that weight back. Like I was certain of it because they weren't teaching us anything. They were giving us a little bit of food and having us run around a lot and weighing us in in front of everybody. And that was the vibe. And so, you know, I got back in ninth grade and home at class and, uh, you know, the button to my skinny jeans popped off and I was back in that cycle again. And while I was at that camp, I just really had this like voice. I mean, come to me and just say, Molly, you need to help people you need to help them do this. And like, I have to tell you, and I knew it and I knew it at 13 years old when people wanted to be doctors and actresses and the president, I wanted to help heal obesity. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I remember when it happened and where it happened. And so for me, you know, I guess as uh, you know, the more spiritual I get, the more this makes sense to me, but it wasn't like, and then bippity boppity boo, like I got to heal the problem. And then like, I'm just like me and my before and my after picture, like giving everyone the plan. It's like, I mean, honestly, I wish it was that easy. I'd be psyched to do that. Um, but I actually had to go through enormous torture, uh, which I don't regret a minute of today because I actually think that like the depths of despair that I had to go down to a encourages me to go down there with people and help them come out. It makes me pretty fearless of people's problems. And I think it inspires others, you know? And, and so what else are we here to do? And let me tell you, when I say every single diet in the entire world, before I broke up with sugar, I also you know, feel my shame would like, you know, be remiss for me not to say I ate my way through bariatric surgery. So, you know, it just, so in the midst of all of this, I mean, the craziest part of all of this is like in the midst of this, like really deep, gnarly addiction and eating disorder. I'm also like at Cornell university, like getting my bachelor's in social work. Like I'm at Columbia university, getting my master's degree. Like it's, that's where I feel like I'm so divinely like, in, you know, like this is so like, that's like not normal. Like I understand that, but I'm at these really big schools, you know, getting by, by the skin of my teeth, but like also just having this, like just having this fire in my belly about having to do this thing. And then, you know, sort of having all of these encounters along the way 
showing me the parts of treatment that I love. Like when I started that therapeutic boarding school, there was parts of that treatment I love. There's parts of that treatment that nearly killed me, like the low fat eating and calorie counting, which is what I learned at the time. And, you know, I was managing not gaining weight as an, you know, clinical director of an eating disorder school by over-exercising. I come to this on every side of the story. And then I was, um, I was working in an eating, an eating disorders center with a very famous doctor and uh, just binging my brains out, gaining weight hand over fist. And it's not about the weight in any way, but when I'm gaining weight, like there is something very harmful I'm doing to myself that I need to look at. So, I mean, I, you know, weight's an outcome to me, but it's also, at least for me, like that was really, it was really bad. It was a terrible double life. I was helping people with their eating disorders and going home at night and binging my brains out. And it's a terrible way to live in your soul. And one day, uh, you know, I'd binged on some of the blueberry muffins that were in the, you know, break room. And my boss walked in as I was throwing up in the toilet and, uh, I, and I, you know, she's, you know, and then, and I, uh, and then when she walked, she wrote me an email later and she said, Hey, you know, can you deal with this? And I said, Oh, I just went down the wrong pipe. Don't even worry about it. And it was just this first low. It was real, like, it was this first one. I was like, you know, I talk about in the 12 steps, like, you know, I, I, first of all, I understand all 12. I don't think if, if, if anybody tells you that there's one way to do something, run away. I mean, if I could tell this to anybody and, and, and like, if we could get into talking about, you know, coaches and, and how people treat other people when they're trying to get well, I'd be really, you know, grateful for that because, but for me, like, you know, in that moment, that was like a real moment of like powerlessness and unmanageability. And like, I, that was my job and I couldn't, and that was my livelihood. And I just knew something had to change. I started to go to some eating disorder groups and it took me a really long time. And then eventually actually my brother, who's this big dude, just went on a sugar cleanse and, um, which I don't believe in cleanses period exclamation point. But, uh, at that moment I didn't really care. And I thought, well, if Mikey can give up sugar for 12 days, you know, I certainly can. And I was out of ideas, you know, breaking up with sugar was the last, last house on the block. And I didn't even want to live there. And so I did it. I broke up with sugar wholeheartedly. And because I was desperate and I wanted to lose weight, not because I thought it would like change me, uh, you know, emotionally and spiritually and give me, you know, like an idea about life that I didn't know existed. And the two craziest things happened. Number one, I complete detox, which I, as an addictions therapist too, I was like, oh, this is like not normal. Like this is, this is addiction. And I knew about it. I had friends in my fellowships that had given up sugar. I just thought people were crazy. Like I don't drink alcohol either. And I remember before I gave up alcohol, I'd hear that people don't drink alcohol. And I'm like, well, how do you even do that? You know, just how we are, like, you know, just never want to accept what's really best for us. And, you know, the other thing that happened is actually, I just, I just started feeling good, right? After the detox, I was like, oh my God, like, this is amazing, right? Like I could sleep better. I could breathe better. I could move better. I wasn't always worried about gaining weight, like less cravings. And so, you know, I actually had this clinic in which I was running it based on the principles that I had done at that boarding school. And I like kind of walked in one day and changed it around. Cause I also had clients that were having the same experience that I was having, you know, like they were like holding on for dear life, writing down their foods, doing all this like diet stuff that I was just trained to do. And I was like, this is like, not okay. Went and found a bunch of mentors, Marty, Marty Lerner being one of them, you know, it was like the, the king of all food addiction. And I just, start, you know, started surrounding myself with a lot of people in the food addiction world. And I, I started to create programs, you know, to try to really help people heal. And I think in the 10 years, 10 years I've been doing this now, you know, I've evolved 
very significantly in, in what I think really helps people. And, and the thing I think, I mean, I think there's a bunch of things that help people that we're not doing. Uh, but I think the first thing that helps people is people uh, having sovereignty over their own recovery. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, you're the boss applesauce, um, you know, like, and I think, I think there's just a lot of people talking about experiences that they've had, or even, you know, what the training says for them to do. And I don't think either one of those is the answer. I think us figuring out for ourselves what works, which is so antithetical to diet culture. The other thing I think that we're not looking at is, you know, breaking up with sugar is a diet. You know, it's, it's a diet. It's a diet. It's a sugar cleanse maybe for the rest of your life. And if you're not healing emotionally, if you're not learning how to live a life, if you're not, if you're not putting into that whole joy experience, you know, finding out who you are, then, then you're just going to be in this horrible diet cycle, scared that you're going to gain your weight back for the rest of your life. And I think the third thing that I've really, I think the two other things that I've really taken on in the last, in the last, I think, I think certainly in the last two years, you know, when, when breaking up with sugar came out, you know, my visibility increased really significantly. And so I've been able to interface with a lot more people. And I think number one, this is a deeply spiritual problem. And I just define spirituality in, 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 in a shift in what you choose to believe. I mean, I think the belief system that is put upon us from diet culture and, and, you know, an obesogenic culture and all that stuff. I just think it's so toxic that it's almost so hard to change. And in that being so addicted to dieting actually prohibits us from ever living a full life. And so those are the areas like that I'm really living in, um, just helping people to like reclaim their power because I, you know, I don't know if this happens for you, but like people give me their power. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. Thank you. Like I'm amazing, but like, that's not the thing. Like you need to be amazing. Like that's so how's that? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm loving this because I just resonate with so much that you're saying. And I'm sure people listening are too. Um, especially like I want to dive in because you, you did talk about the, there's not one way to do this. That's one of the first things that when I heard your interview on the kick sugar summit, because there's so many people out there trying to tell you got to do this way. You got to weigh and measure. You got to do this. You got to do oh, that. It's worse than that. You know what? I think there's people bullet trying to bully us into wellness for their own pocketbook. And mm-hmm. I think unless we can start to see that the true nature of this, we will always be at the, at the jaws of diet trauma. It's like, the stories that come my way of people trying to get help from people who are so clearly not qualified to help, whether it's their own issues or a lack of training, you know, and, and I, I think it's really on, it doesn't, you know, somebody may be like on, on the Yale food addiction scale, somebody may be a full-blown food addict and they may really need, you know, it really may be that they need to be fully abstinent, weighing and measuring three times a day, you know, that really rigid, rigid program. But I don't think shaming them or scaring them is going to get them closer to it. I think what that does is reinforce the belief that they're a piece of crap. They're never going to be able to get it. See, they can't do this. And, you know, I think mostly if you're, if you're scoring high on that, on that YFAS, you know, you need a big solution. Like I would say, like you're, your recovery needs to be as big as your addiction. I just, I think it takes a while for some of us to get there. You know, I haven't had sugar for 12 years. I'm one of them. That's how I know. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of them. Like I read like the gray sheet thing. And I was like, I'd rather, like I say this, like, I'm like, I'd rather be dead than follow that. I mean, and, and I think for me, like, 
Like, could I have followed it? Like eventually maybe. Yeah. But I would have really needed to be like lovingly guided towards it and like found my own version. Like, and that's not what people are saying. They're saying, do this plan. And if you can't, there's something very fundamentally wrong with you. And there's a couple of colleagues in the field who used to be really rigid about this. And I've actually seen that as they start to interface with more people that they're moving into what, these are the principles of harm reduction. And what's really interesting about harm reduction, Siobhan, is harm reductions use like most famously in heroin addiction. So harm reduction is actually used in something that you can be abstinent from. I, most of the, most of the work that I do with people, most of the methods that I use are from substance use because substance use is most, is better studied eating disorder. There's actually no evidence base for eating disorders. There's, and that's, and that's what I mean, if you're listening, hear that again, there's no evidence base for eating disorders, which means that they're never really sure what's going to work for anybody. You, like, you like anorexia, there's actually not an evidence base. Sometimes it works with this. Sometimes it works with this. And so the combination of like eating disorders and diet culture or eating disorders is like, Hey, you know, we got to really find out what works for you. And diet culture is like, well, if you fail once you're a really terrible person. I mean, can you imagine how stuck we are? Isn't you can, you know, mm -hmm. that's enough to make you want to jump off a bridge. Like I get it, but we have to take our power back. Harm reduction says, what can you do right now? Right. And so in harm reduction in, in the needle world, in the heroin world, it's like, it is better if you're shooting with clean needles, if you're shooting heroin with clean needles, less likely to be infected. You know, it's like, and what they see is once they start to meet people where they are, their use actually decreases. So I think some people get this idea of me that I'm like this great, like, you know, I, I've heard it. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of bastardized in the eating disorder world and bastardized in the food addiction world. And I'm happy to be at both of those places. You know why? Because people know I'm always telling the truth, which is great. And people trust that I really have their best interests in mind because they do. And also, cause I'm like always treating my sickest self. Like I would just be like wanting to punch people all the time. If I heard all these like hard lines, but I think that there's just like this piece of it where something's always better than nothing. Right. I mean, I really do. I mean, I don't eat sugar. I don't eat flour ever. You know what I mean? Like I don't, but I think that sometimes people can't get there that exact way. And by no means should they think that they're unhealable or untreatable or unlovable or all of these things that I think people take away from these really extreme messages. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's why I kind of, when I, I started my journey about four years ago and nothing resonated with me at the time as researching, like, yeah, I was like, I'm not weighing and measuring. I'm mm -hmm. not bringing a scale. I'm not like, I'm not trying to diet on top of taking out like sugar and flour. I knew that was going to be hard enough. So I just created my own just intuitively. And I'm so glad for that. I just created yeah. what worked for me basically. And I was really desperate when I did this round, this round of recovery. So like, I think my desperation made me weigh and measure, but I, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, like, I don't know. And, and I think that it takes a really healthy, qualified person to be able to meet you where you are. And I yeah. think there's this idea that bullying people well makes them healthy. It just makes them scared and it makes them really dependent. And I don't want anybody to feel that way when they're like working with me. I also feel like it's not sustainable then either. If you're like white knuckling, trying to do someone else's plan for you, then it's not sustainable for your life and yourself. So really I love. Yeah. And I'm like, by the way, that. I'm like a huge believer in guidelines. Like I'm, and I'm like, by the way, if you yeah. work with me and you're really addicted to sugar, like, and you're not doing what I think you should do, like 
I'm a bit of a rhinoceros. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, I'm going to be like highlighting it with you. I'm going to be annoying as anything about it. But like, I don't think that works. I just don't. Yeah. No, I like that concept of just having whoever is working with you, just really meeting you where you are. Um, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. My new favorite story is this client who came to me for a consultation and on our forum, we say, well, how do you, like, who do you work best with? Like what kind of coaching? And she's like, you know, I just, I just need someone who doesn't bully me and who's like nice to me. And I was like, those are givens. Like if someone's bullying you and not being nice to you, fire them. I mean, I think we've become so entrenched in diet culture and it's called learned helplessness. It's, it's like, we just, we are so frozen by the trauma and we're so act, we're so acting out of a space, like Gabor Mate says, you know, we're acting from fear and we're acting from sadness and we're acting from pain that we're like willing to say like, oh yeah, when this guy said I was like a heroin addict with sugar, that's an acceptable way to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to continue to work with him. I mean, I've heard these stories I've heard are so heartbreaking, you know, yeah. because the goal of any good therapist, any good coach is to help you to find this wisdom and gold inside of you. And if yeah. someone's not doing that, fire them immediately. You're better off on your own, honestly. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Cause yeah, you need to be able, you're the one that needs to, you, you need to empower yourself, you know, cause that's really yeah. what it well, we end up having to. like the Stockholm syndrome, you know, we end up protecting our captor. It's crazy. And people are protecting our captor of sugar. We're protecting our captor of abusive coach. We're just, it's, we're so entrenched in this diet cycle. I mean, it's really the thing I've seen in the last three years is why people can't have solid recoveries has very little to do with sugar. If they're addicted to sugar, it has so much more to do with diet culture. It's unbelievable to me. I, I mean, I can't believe I missed the boat from my first 18 years of being a therapist. You know, I'm like, wow, this is really serious. That's all I'm talking about now. Yeah. Though I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Siobhan. No worries. Well, let's, yeah. You're the talk. boss. You're the boss applesauce. Yeah. Well, I have, I do want to dig in a little bit more to the, the diet culture, because I've heard you say before that that has us so traumatized mentally. So talking yeah, let's just deep dive into that just a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. So like, talk like to me you, about like, what that. do you want? Like, what do you want to know? Like, yeah. Me- well, cause people listening are probably like, yeah, I've been on every single, like you were saying every single diet known to man. Yeah. And a lot of times that's how they then approach getting you know, when they're a sugar addict, they approach it from a diet. And I know I struggled with that in the beginning. I was like, I still struggle with it. I'm so susceptible. Yeah. I was on the internet the other day and I saw like this belly quiz and I took it. <laughs> Me, I took Siobhan, I took it. <laughs> and then worse than that, Siobhan, I flip in like, oh yeah, well, let me see. Let me see what kind of belly it is. Let me, like, I was like hook line. And this is what I'm telling you this. Cause I'm like this highly regarded eating disorders therapist. And I'm that susceptible. And I was like, wow, ain't that a kick in the head? Do you know what I mean? Like, we're all so susceptible. And the real problem in all of it is that here's, there's one piece of data, one and one only when it comes to, and unfortunately I have to use this language because this is what's true. It's really done in that weight loss realm. So it's like, how do people lose weight and keep it off? How do people, you know, break free of addiction? One there's one evidence base and it's called self-determination. And what it means is that you determine for yourself what works for you. Mm. And the problem really is, is that, listen, diet culture is a 
multi-billion dollar industry. Them losing us to our own power is really bad for their bottom line. You know, it's really bad. They've lost a customer and that's a bad thing. I mean, there's just all this research on Weight Watchers, things like that. And, you know, my, my new question, and, and I'm doing all these workshops on divorcing dieting now, because I literally think like, I think I, I think I encounter people who are like, no, totally. I know I have a problem with sugar. Like no questions asked. I just can't do it. I mean, that's all my coaching is. Why can't I just do it? Why do I continuously sabotage myself? What's wrong with me? That's like, that's all I do. I don't even, I hardly even talk about sugar anymore, which is great because I'm kind of tired to talk about sugar. <laughs> but the answer is not, let me, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you, period. You know, this idea, like the, the definition, I'm very into Gabor Mate, but Gabor Mate really says it's not, it's not what happened to you. It's how you experienced it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think about myself at seven and that's a really pivotal moment because I mean, there's lots of things I'll get really therapeutic with, you know, so my mother's love was conditional and, you know, she'd love me more if I lost the weight. And then my first experience with Weight Watchers, I gave them all my power and I failed. And somehow I read that, that I was the problem and blah, 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 blah. And then the diet pills and I couldn't actually do it. I mean, and the question really is, is, is really making a, a, and a chronology of where you gave, where you gave your power to, like, where did you give it away? What, and when, and, 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 on, and upon every time that diets failed you, although you think you failed diets, that's not true. What, what belief system was fed, right? Like I can't do it. I'm not worthy. I'm never gonna be able to, I mean, there's just so many, it's, it's deep and profound I'm doing tons of, I'm doing writing a book on this right now. There's a lot going on. So I think that's a, the, the reason I have all of these, I am the patient, right? Anytime I'm writing a book, anytime I'm making a program, we stop, we stop what we're doing all the time. And I literally channel like the suicidal 325 pound girl or this, you know, as I'm gaining all my weight back from bariatric surgery, just the, the deepest shameful part of me. And I say to her, what do you think of this program? Like, who cares what I think of this program? You know, like me, I'm like, you know, absent in 12 years, like I have a great life. Like it's beautiful. I have so much love, like things I never even thought possible. I actually, I go talk to her. We call her morbid, morbidly obese Molly. I hope that doesn't offend anybody because she's the one that's like, I can't get well, leave me alone. I hate you. Wait, can you please come help me? You know, like she's, and I think, you know, like we really give away our power. We, we, we really have given away our power and we, we've been convinced of things that aren't true. And so once we can start to look into these belief systems, so the reason that I've sort of become, you know, a shaman and a Reiki bull and this and an intense opti instructor is because I don't, I don't think that just dealing with the food and even, and I'm highly trained in the mind, like I'm highly trained in cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavior therapy. It's deeper than that. We got to go into the heart and the spirit because that's like, I think really where the, where the wounding is, you know, and, and, and I have to say the more time I spend with my community in these spaces, the more we can like get the cobwebs of shame and demoralization and hopelessness away and have people like waking up, like, oh my God, I can't believe I believe that. Oh my, you know, like. I was in a coaching session with a woman the other day and she was like, well, you know, I just, before I know it, I'm just eating the food and I, I don't really want to do anything about it, but I think I should. I'm like, well, then don't do anything about it. 
you know, stay miserable. Who cares? It's like, that's how profound, like the sort of inner prison guard inside of us is. It's like, nobody actually has to do this. The thing about obesity, we both know this. The thing about eating disorders, even with the exception of bulimia, is it's a pretty long, you can live a very long life, not a happy life, not a spiritually sound life, not a fulfilled life necessarily. You know, having one, it's a brave choice to heal this. And I think we lose sight of that too from diet culture. What a brave choice. And because when, I don't know about you, I don't really know you that well, but for me, at least like, heck if I, I just didn't, I was just about to like lose my job and lose my life. I didn't know, like I was getting a rebirth and I didn't know I was like going to be able to like do things. I, that are, so, I mean, I know like a random house is going to publish a book of mine. Like I didn't, you know, there, it wasn't like, I was just like, Hey, so I don't have another job. So I, I need to keep this one. And uh, my, I hate all my friends and they hate me. And I, I hate my, I just hated life so much that I was so desperate and I had a gift of desperation. And here we are. And I, I just want, I think the point is that people have to take their power back. That's really, that's, and, and that is so much easier said than done because it's so entrenched in us to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you is, cause I love that you talk about, this is a deeply spiritual problem. Cause it is like food is the first part, maybe the foundation getting off the food, but then the second part really is such a, you know, dealing with some emotions and the spiritual journey of all of this. So how do you kind of, when you're working with people and I know every probably approach is different, yeah. you know, so it's hard to <laughs> generalize, God. but how do you kind of just start people on that path to get their power back? Well, I have to be honest. I mean, I do think it's easiest done when you break up a sugar, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, when you're addicted to sugar and you're trying to tap into your wisdom and your spirituality, it actually, it's really I don't know. I, I think I'd almost say it's nearly impossible to because your nervous system is in the ICU and your wisdom's in the ICU and your endocrine system's in the ICU. So there is this part that this is very much about the food. And, and if you don't mind me saying, this is what I was trying to say about like the weight stuff. Like I, I'm on a lot of podcasts, you know, and there's this one girl who's like, well, like, do you think that like you law that you decided to like lose weight because of culture, you know, like this Gen Z idea of like the health at any size stuff. And I was like, you know, here's what I think about it. Number one, like it was a really long time ago. And it was like before any of these movements were around. Right. And, and she's like, do you think of like, you could have fit into chairs if you would have been as, if you would have felt like you really needed to like lose this weight. And I was like, here are my two truths. Like number one, I knew really deeply that this was not the body I was supposed to be in. Like I knew, like I am not supposed to be a 325 pound person, but here's the other thing like I knew for sure. And this is what I mean about sugar. Like what I was doing to myself to be in a 325 pound body was not loving. It was not loving. It was not God-centered. It was not, it was, it was, it was self-hating. It was numbing. It was fear-based. It was addiction. You know, it was addiction. And so I think when we're trying to like redo our belief systems and tap into this inner wisdom, it's, it's really hard to do that when you're in the middle of self-harming. It's, it's, I think it's almost impossible. So if you want to like, if you're someone like saying, well, I don't know if addicted to sugar, it's like, doesn't matter behaviorally, like the messaging that you're getting behaviorally, what your spirit's getting behaviorally, like, I hate you. I'm always going to let you down. Like, that's what I mean about taking our power back. It's like, 
is this right for me? I mean, it, I'm not like, listen, in my experience of being a recovering addict of a lot of things is that, you know, the right choice is very rarely the easy choice, you know? And I, and I stand by that. I mean, I stand by that. Do you hear that weird noise? Oh, good. Oh, she's vacuuming. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and so I don't, I, I listen, I, I think we do best when we have positive reinforcement and natural consequences, but there's also this piece of showing up for ourselves. Like I, in my own recovery, like, and there's thousands of people I think that have had this experience along with me. It's like, it's like a cheesy, you know, it's like a Glennon Doyle phrase, but I'm, I'm stronger than I know. I mean, I really am. And, and I think, um, being in an eating disorder really made me believe I was fragile, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm like actually the farthest thing from fragile. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm resilient. You know, I'm all of these things. And I had to break up with sugar and I had to do the hard thing. And I had to say no to things. And like, and all those things made me trustable to myself. And that's the end game of all of this, right? Like, I don't, I mean, I, I just fired a therapist the other day because she had done a huge infraction towards me. And I was thinking if this was 15 years ago, I would have let that go because mm. I didn't love myself. And I was so dependent. I needed other people to tell me I was lovable and I was enough. And I was like, Hey, you can't do that. Here's why she gave me all my money back. It's not crazy, but you know what I mean? Like, and I think we're just so entrenched in self-hate that we think we deserve that blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this is what it's all about. So for lots of us breaking up a sugar and flour is the first part of that because it's, in, but I'm not saying it and it's like, you're going to die. It's like, that's just, that's just like the first and bravest act of self-love is there's this thing that you're putting in your body that's destroying you. Let's not do that. And that's going to be the first signal to your spirit that you're serious about healing. Cause I think there's this part, I think this is what people experience me when I say I'm a harm reductionist, that like I'm permissive. I mean, a lot, I'm telling you the food addiction world's not interested in me. The eating disorders world's not interested in me either. Cause I'm pro food addiction. I just live in my little, my little middle path, but I'm not permissive of it. I just, I think the only way people get there is to naturally consequence their way there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like I was thinking too, with it's really hard for me anyway. And I know a lot of women I talk to have that mental warfare of what's going on when you are addicted. Like, what am I going to eat today? What am I not going to eat today? Can I just have one? I mean, when I think about how much time and energy was wasted on those thoughts, it's really hard to start a spiritual path because you're too busy. (laughs) No, I relate to that. And that's a sort of why I do think bright lines are so much easier. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I do think like abstinence is a great solution because it doesn't make you think at all. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, I don't know. Sometimes I have your life is gone. The minute that noise starts in my, there's a negotiation in my mind. Like I'm not listening. Like it's over. I'm not present. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening. I'm not available. There's no miracles happening. There's nothing. My life becomes the size of a postage stamp. When I'm like, oh, I don't need that. Okay. Let me go have fun. Let me go experience joy. Let me go see love. Let me go. You know, that's, that's the way life is. I don't know if that's the way life is supposed to be, but it's certainly an option for all of us. You know, and then listen, it doesn't mean life doesn't happen, but every life happens to everybody. But in the times where life isn't happening, you could have a very joyful experience of this world. What a treat. It's just so much more freedom. Like the word that comes to my mind is just freedom. When you're yeah. not constantly having those thoughts, then you are free to find joy yeah. and find those the other cost things. of that though, right? Like because when you're so entrenched in an addiction, either to dieting or sugar or whatever volume, 
it just, it tells you it's the solution. I, I just, I just know this to be like, I, I'm a, I used, I was a big night eater. Mm. Are you a big night eater? I loved a good night binge. So, oh, oh yeah. God. I was an all day binger. So yeah. I mean, me too. But like, I was like, a especially at night, you know, I, I do love like an 11 P to three a binge, mm-hmm. you know, and then that demoralization in the morning. And, you know, there's been times in my recovery where I've, I've fallen into that pattern, certainly not to that destructive manner, just a little something. And it's fascinating to me how quickly I can believe that I need that protein bar at 11. And, and, and in that vein, it's also fascinating to me that after three days of not having it, I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Wow. I feel so much better. I think the, the reason I think diet culture comes in here is diet culture says you're good or you're bad. Mm-hmm. I had a patient today. This is fascinating conversation. And he said, well, if I ate bread, I would just hate myself, Molly. Wouldn't you hate yourself if you ate bread? And I'm like, no, he's like, yeah, right. I was like, no. He's like, what would you do? I was like, I would be so fascinated about what happened that made me eat bread. Like, and and I said, and I would guarantee you there was a really good reason and a big opening for healing. Like diet culture doesn't, there's no money made on that one, Siobhan. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of freedom. You know what I mean? And he's just like, well, I'd be a terrible person if I did that. I'm like, when did this get moral? Like what just happened? <laughs> High functioning, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, uh, no, he's like, he was like daring me. Like, yeah, you would hate yourself. I'm like, no, no, no. Like literally so far from like what I would be doing. If that happened to me, I would just be, I would be enormous. And I would be like asking for help. I, I just would want to understand what happened so that I could heal. Such a different um, approach. I love that, you know, just so much of a more gentle, loving approach than what most yeah, of I, us would do. Yeah. I feel like I just need to say one more thing. Like, is it just, you know, there's a lot of coaches, um, you know, sponsors that have big reactions when we lapse. And what I need to tell you, if you're listening is that's their, that's that's their problem. I mean, they're uncomfortable. That's their recovery. Like they're having their experience of your lapse and you need to find somebody who can separate out what's theirs and what's yours. Because what ends up happening is these coaches, these therapists, these sponsors put their stuff on top of you. And it's just like diet culture. You need someone who's like, okay, cool. Like let's figure it out. That's cure. I'm curious. I'm fascinated. That's just happened to do with the patient. I was like, tell me more about this mac and cheese. That's so unlike you. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like offended. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, how could you do that to yourself? What's wrong with you? The disease is back. Like none of that works. Yeah. All that That's makes you want really to do is lie point. to you. Doesn't it make you want to lie to somebody? I'm like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. I won't do it again. I promise. Like you get no data and you get no growth. The times in my 12 years that I've had lapses here are the two things that have happened to me. I've become such a more compassionate person towards other people. And I've become so much more knowledgeable and compassionate towards myself and forgiving. This thing's just like, it's, it's a lifetime. Yeah. And I like you talking about that too, that this is, it's never over. I think I've heard you say, um, well, it is when we die. I mean, and who knows where we go next, but yeah, you have to be (laughs) in a relationship with food. Like it's a nap, it's a necessity. It like, when you say it is, it's never over. Like that just made me want to like, just like puke, but it isn't over. And that like, we have to eat. Yeah. Doesn't matter. 
So you're in a relationship with food, no matter what, till the day you die and yourself till the day you die. That's it. Those are the only necessary, those are the only necessary relationships in this world. Yeah. And I used to think of that more like, but to me now approaching the way you're talking about from a place of curiosity though, makes it and compassion and, and compassion, compassion is the key to making it like, so it doesn't feel like it's never over. It's more like, yeah, it's never, I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep experimenting. Yeah. I'm going to keep digging in. And that's what I want to talk about for the, the remainder is just kind of the spiritual stuff, because I talk a lot with people about the food and other things, but I really love some of these different spiritual things that you have brought up. Um, so how do you, encourage people to start along their own spiritual path too. Like, what do you, I, I love that you said, you know, kind of that first step is taking back your power. Cause that is kind of yeah. telling your, your spirit. Okay. I'm open. Yeah, like it's safe for us to do this. It's yeah. Safe. Yeah. I like, I think, so my big thing, and there's always the, when I say this to my community, they get a little confused. They, I have say your recovery needs to be as big as your addiction. Right. Yes. And so I actually have this, and I'm 12 years in, I have this abundant recovery. None of it feels like a chore. No part of what I do in the spirit of my recovery feels like, oh, I have to go do that. It's all just so nourishing, you know, and that's the whole point, right? Looking, gotta find new ways to nourish and nurture ourselves. So I think there's what I, and so people are like, you know, everyone's such a perfectionist because they're all like entrapped in diet trauma. And what do I do? And it's like, it, it doesn't, this woman was like, do I need more DBT? I'm like, I don't know. Like there's just, it's an endless list. Like there's so many things to do, right? But I, the difference between a diet and a relationship with food is a shift in what you choose to believe. I learned very early on in my recovery that you could choose what you believe. Like I did had no idea. I just thought that my mind had a thought and that was a thing that was like a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I hate myself. Oh, I can never not hate myself because that's what I thought. And then I just started to like, listen to like Wayne Dyer and Carolyn Mace and all these people that I call Tara Brock. I just started to like, listen to like some other opinions on that particular thing. And it was like, oh no, that's not true at all. You can actually shift your beliefs. You can adjust them. You can change them completely, except- it takes practice. It takes attention. This is the other reason we might want to break up with sugar because as you and I were mentioning that that actually is like a full-time job. You might not be able to go do all this amazing spiritual work. And, you know, I'm like a seeker. Like I, that's, I mean, I have all these like qualifications in spirituality because I'm like, well, what more, you know, I'm like such an addict. I'm like, well, what else can I do? What else can I learn? What else can I teach people? The thing that I think the other thing that's so important you guys, it's like that body of ours, it, it's more than in just in our head, you know, and, and any trauma book, trauma therapist will tell you that, you know, trauma happens in our body. And so it is about getting into our body and healing our body. And that is a big part of spirituality, whether that's breath work, right. Whether that's light exercise. And, you know, I, I teach this like spiritual fitness class where we do, it's called intensati, where we do these like movements while we're expressing these self-affirming mantras. I am enough. And we're all saying them together and we're all breathing together because the mind, body, and spirit needs, to, and it sounds so cheesy, you know, morbidly obese Molly's like, are you joking with this? Like, serious, this always happens to me. 
But the fact is, is that my really good friend created this exercise and I'm like, you know, used to be such a people pleaser. And she's like, will you come to the class? And I was like, really didn't want to, because I have my own exercise drama. And I went and I started doing these affirmations and I started like crying and I was like, what is happening here? And what was happening was I was like releasing, you know, and my brain couldn't fight it you know, because my body was moving and it was like, oh my God, like, this is what I need. And then because I've been in a larger body for such a long time, I was like, I need to go teach this to my community because aerobics instructors have no conception of what it is to be in a larger body. And I don't think that this spiritual fitness class is about fitness, although we all get great workouts. I actually think it's about exercising all three of those things. It's not about like getting a six pack. I mean, I'm so past that in my forties, you know? So I think the answer, I don't know that I answered your question because I think the, I hate, especially with the community that, that is listening to your podcast, Siobhan, the last thing I think want people to think is there is a direct prescription to spirituality. The truth is, is that there is a wisdom that lives inside of you that knows everything and it's blocked. And what do you need to do to get it out of the ICU? You probably need some new beliefs. You need some new teachers you need to get a little bit cooler with making mistakes. You definitely need to meditate because that's where we hear the things that we need to hear. You probably need to throw up a bunch of prayers because there's just so much data that supports that. And you really probably need to be in a whole bunch of people who can support what you're doing. There's this great data that says, you know, we're the conglomerate of the five people that we spend the most time with. When I read that, I was like, go me, because I'm obsessed with the five people I spend time with. I'm very fortunate in that way. But a lot of people aren't, right? A lot of people are entrapped in abusive relationships and people-pleasing relationships. So I say to those people, one-fifth is enough. Kick someone out of the top five and get one person in there who, when you say something like, I'm going to go try chanting because I saw someone do that, that they're going to be like, good job, go do that. Not like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Ooh, that's so weird. You know, because it's really about starting to challenge. I'm telling you, this moment in my life, I remember it so well, where I was like, oh, so the voice in my head that tells me that I'm unlovable, that's just a voice and I don't have to listen to it. And I can train these other parts of me to have a bigger belief that isn't that. It was like, I didn't say it's as good as breaking up with sugar. I mean, honestly, it was like, holy cow. Oh man, I have all these other people that's so, and there's lots of, I have a break, I have a beautiful Facebook group that I like, I manifested it just to be a space where people support each other. They're like, that's all we like, there's nothing. That's, that's all it is. I mean, sometimes I go on there and I say, Hey, I'm doing this event, but there's, there's no cost to it. There's no inner internal coaching program in it. You're never being bait and switched. I've been so scorned by diet culture, Siobhan, that I am so cautious about how I engage with anybody who is trusting me enough to try again. I, I just think it is the greatest privilege to be able to help somebody in this, in this, and that how hard it is to try one more time. I just think it's amazing. What's your Facebook group called in case people, and I'll link it too, but what's, how do we find you on Facebook? It's called breaking up a sugar. Perfect. <laughs> Aptly named. And how, it's a beautiful community that it's, I, it really run, runs itself. I, I don't really get, you know, I go on every now and then because I love it, but it just runs itself. Well, and also I'm really curious. I want to try this intense sati. The oh my God, come, you know, I'm, I've become obviously so spiritual that it is a pay what you can model. Like I, like, I don't even do like, 
it's at eight o'clock. I know it's at eight o'clock in the morning. And but Siobhan, if you knew how many people were there from Portland and Seattle and California, it's amazing. That so is it's at East 8 time. Molly is 8 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. And then yeah. we do one Sunday a month and maybe we'll do more. I mean, if I don't know, I'm open for everything. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's a how, really powerful. Experience. If people want to try that out, how do we find out more information to kind of sign up it's to on, do that? mollycarmel.com. Okay. On your slash intensati mollycarmel.com. Yeah. Mollycarmel.com is so much free stuff and amazing stuff. And you can learn more about me and all the programs we offer. And we're launching a a course in January that I think is going to be so helpful to people about, you know, really trying to break up with sugar. And we're writing the second book right now that I think should be out in 2024. And so what's your course is for people wanting to break up? Tell us a little bit more about the course again. You know what? It's not, it's well, first of all, I mean, I'm Really, you're really the first person I'm telling about it. Show breaking news. So you know, it is it is a companion to the book, but my book is very little about food. The second chapter of my book is you committing to stay the path with yourself. It's called the sacred vow. So, you know, I think we made it for people who are really having a hard time breaking up with sugar, and I really want to be able to help a lot of people. So it's a companion to the book, and so I I don't know like. I benefit from, you know, I teach breaking up with sugar all the time. I'm sure this happens to you. Like I learned so much. I think it's for people struggling to break up with sugar, people who want a deeper dive in their breaking up with sugar, people who want more information because the way that I do this is, is very much about like creating a toolbox and, and, and having much more autonomy over your food plan than what we're accustomed to. And, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of emotions and, um, and creating a why statement and, and different beliefs, all sorts of, there's just different ways I do it. Then I think is this like very like obvious, like just like, I think if we could stop eating sugar and weigh and measure our foods and take the scale out for the rest of our lives, then, uh, we would do that. And so I think it's a little more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And talk a little bit more because I'm excited. Um, I will link to make sure I know people can get your book off your website too, if they want to read that Breaking Up With Sugar. But what about um, your second book? You've touched on it a little bit. Tell us what that's going to be about well, and when it's coming out. Yeah, she's well, she's just uh, she's just coming out of the womb right now. <laughs> so we don't want to, you know, she hasn't even gotten her inoculations yet. But what we are doing, I mean, I what we are doing right now um, on one Sunday a month is that we're running um, the program of divorcing dieting we're doing. So if you want, if you're like, oh my God, this thing is resonating. So I think it's like $20 to come, you know, like we're running all of these, these, the process of divorcing dieting through it. And, um, you know, I think the other thing that the book talks about, which is, is really starting, you know, we know diet culture is, I don't think there's anybody walking around being like diet culture is amazing, right? Like, ugh, love it pro diet culture. But there is this, this community that has spawned out of the trauma of diet culture, which is anti-diet culture, which is, you know, not equally toxic because that's a crazy thing to say, but this anti-diet culture is, is not healthy either. And, you know, we talk about that in the book also and about you know, just the lengths we go. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's gestating. I I think it'll probably be out sometime in 2024 because uh, that's how the publishing world goes. And I don't, I'm not really willing to think faster than I'm getting the ideas right now. And I think it's a really important book. So I don't, I don't want to push it. Yeah. No rush to it. It does sound very important. So again, if people are interested in this 
divorce dieting group on Sundays, can they also find that through your website as well? Got it. Yep. yep. Perfect. Sure. And we do an intense salty class after we do the workshop. So Ooh, it's really, yes, this is what like, I'm maybe Allegedly Siobhan is coming. So I am. there's just one more cell, you know, yeah. there's just Join one more me. cell. I'm yeah. challenging all of you to join, join, join us all. It's so great. I, can't I love trying that. out. And that's something I've never heard of before. And it just sounds so powerful. It makes sense to me incorporating the movement with the mantras. And I uh, love that you were at first kind of rolling your eyes at this. Oh, and yeah. that's like, another no. message I got from you here is just try to have as much of an open mind, open heart as you can, because you might be surprised at what discoveries you make. So, I mean, I think the only thing I've accepted about myself, you know, we're not responsible for our first thought. And my first thought is almost always so crazy. Like my first (laughs) thought is almost always like, F, you know, you know what I mean? Like, or like, I can't do it. There's no possible way. And then I'm like, okay, let's let that pass. Anyone else have any opinions? And usually it's like, you're the best. Let's go do it. Okay, great. You know, like, (laughs) But I think we're so, you know, there's such, it, we're, we're so immediate and we're, and we're so um, reacting and not responding that people think that that's the, people think like, that's the voice of wisdom. Like that's the voice of fear and addiction. Like don't give it much mind, tell it you love it and see what else is available, you know? Yes. I love that. Thank you so much. I really have enjoyed talking with you, how direct you are. What a treat. Is Unsweetened there anything- treat, Siobhan. Yeah. Unsweetened treat. That's what you should call it. <laughs> unsweetened treat unsweetened treat is there anything we did not get to that you wanted to cover or say or even just any last words of wisdom there's one thing i really need to say okay it's really important go ahead i've been in addiction (laughs) are you on are you on bated breath (laughs) do they get to see the video because that's a great video you guys she's like really waiting for me to say something it is true i really do have to say something okay so I've been in addiction therapist. I'm so sad to say this, but for 21 years, and I've been in recovery from addiction for 12 years, many addictions. And here's the only thing I know for sure. You absolutely never know the time in which it is going to stick, which brings me to two points. Number one, you never, ever, 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 ever stop trying. Point number two, when you get it, guard it with your life. But it's like the idea that we, none of you are unhealable. None of you are untreatable. Everything's reparable. The job you have is to never, ever give up on yourself. And that is it. Beautiful. That's making me tear up a little bit. Gave me goosebumps because it's so true. Thank you so so much for being here with us, Molly. You're a treat. Thanks, Siobhan. I really had a great time. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.